0: So God said no to the old normal, you've got a job to do. Hey everybody, we want to welcome you back to Mike Check. My name is Mike Westendorf. I am the host of this video podcast. It takes a look at Christianity and culture, applying a biblical worldview to our everyday life. That's what we're about. Again, my name is Mike Westendorf. Uh, I'm the host of this, uh, this little show, and um, I'm excited to be able to kind of finish up at least this round of And God Said No uh, that we've been doing. Uh, over the last uh, three episodes, we've talked about the idea of wanting to have life return to normal. And that God is saying no. He's just consistently, every time we think that there's going to be a break in something, it, it, something else delays the opportunity to get back to normal. I mean, the sports seasons are reminding us that everything is out of whack. You know, uh, nothing feels quite right about uh, things. School, um, what do we do with that? Are we going to have to close down? I mean, all of these things, it, it just it's dragging on and it's driving people crazy. 2020 is like the worst start to a decade ever. And yet, for many of us, we're still here. And while there is a threat that we have to be uh, aware of and that there's turmoil in our world, it's an election year, we've got all kinds of angst and anxiety, God is, is just stirring up the world and He's stirring up our culture and He's stirring up our hearts. And I believe that God doesn't want us to go back to that old normal that there's a lot of junk that's here that he's helping us see and uh, certainly that's that's been here for me and so the last three episodes we've been taking a look uh, the first one was the idea of higher authority that God wants to be the highest authority how many things have I put in front of God uh, the second week was the idea of submission uh, being humble enough to uh, really see other people and and step into living that way and uh, last one that we took a look at was God is calling us to get rid of our idols. They are messing up our idea, our ability to get rest and the ability to find peace because we're always pursuing something more instead of Him, which is the greatest something we could have. Today, what I want to talk about, and and this is really more specifically to all of us who say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower. Uh, I want to go to heaven one day. You know, I believe that that God is this, Jesus is the savior of the world. That He died for my sins. If you're in that camp, um, I'm talking to us today, and especially for all of us who work in uh, the church, uh, because I think that there's something here that God is reminding all of us about. And uh, I've struggled with this for a little while now that I'm full time in ministry. And uh, God is just again just opening up my eyes, and so I'm going to give you the big idea right up front that God said no to returning to normal because all too often I think we forgot about God's mission really, and our co-mission, our commission. That God wants to remind us of His mission, and that He has called us into His co-mission, the Great Commission. And he means it. And he means it even if it makes us uncomfortable. And I think that God is, especially for church people, is really applying some pressure to say, get outside your comfort zone. I have people who are dying to hear my my word and they're, they're falling and tripping over all of the other idols. And it's only in the gospel that you're ever going to find the healing. And I need my Christians, I need the Jesus followers, I need the disciples to be willing to go out with courage, knowing that we could lose things that we would like to keep. And God is saying, remember my mission? My mission's an eternal one. Oh, and by the way, the moment that um, I worked faith in your heart, and as you keep coming alive, every day you wake up and you're like, yep, Jesus loves me, this I know. He says, great, now make sure that you go to tell somebody else about this. That's your co-mission. So where does this come from? So the big idea, I'm going to give you some a real simple one that I think a lot of people will remember. And even if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian today, uh, but maybe you were part of a church at one point, and you would remember the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Something that we can oftentimes just go through the motions of and not really think about what it's talking about. But man, I teach 7th grade catechism and every time we come to that you, that unit, the Lord's Prayer unit, I just I love what God is actually telling us to t- teaching us to pray. And here comes the big idea for today. God's reminding us of his mission and he says it in this. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven okay so what is god talking about here your kingdom come god wants the gospel to come his eternal kingdom if you will he wants eternity to come for all people that will see them in heaven the bible talks repeatedly in a number of different places that he wants all people to come to a saving knowledge of in faith to have the knowledge of the gospel the truth that Jesus christ came died for our sins rose to life and then gave his life to us um, if you don't understand what that means man drop a comment in here or just message me i'd love to tell you it and I have lots of friends who would love to be able to just share the the genuine truth about what the gospel means that you don't have to earn salvation that god has already done it for us he's really just whispering into our our hearts wake up wake up. I'm the one who's done this for you. I forgive. I bring you to life. That's what God wants for everybody. And then when you, when you pray, your kingdom come, that's what you're saying. You're saying two things. Um, Lord, I want all of those who say that they believe in you. I want all of those who are trusting in you as their savior. I want all of those people to hold on to not let go. I want them to to die when they die physically. I don't want them to die eternally and spiritually. So I want you to keep them them close to you. Keep them in faith. And then at the same time, I'm also praying, Lord, anybody who doesn't know you, Lord, I'm praying that you will do anything and everything to reach out and help those people see you for who you are, that they would come alive in Christ your kingdom come. That's what I want. And when you pray your will be done, you also are kind of adding something to it as well. That's his will, that all people would be saved. We're also asking to crush the plans and the works of our enemy. Crush anybody who's standing against your kingdom coming, crush it. And here is a kicker. Now, I haven't thought about it it makes me scared to say this prayer a little bit Your will be done save people keep me in the faith and crush the enemy's plans and Lord crush the enemy plans that live in my heart too Oh crush me if you have to That's dangerous But every time you say, your will be done, that's part of what you're asking. Lord, burn away the idols that I carry, the other higher authorities, my prideful, I'm not going to submit to you, if that gets in the way of other people knowing Jesus, if that gets in the way of me losing what I believe to be life, my faith, then Lord, crush the enemy that's inside me. That's scary. He's reminding us of his mission. This is what Jesus came to do. There's a story in the Bible about how um, Jesus, the night before he's headed into Jerusalem, he's going to die for our sins. And the Bible talks about the broken heart of Jesus. He He has been with people. He has raised people from the dead. He has seen all of the hurt. He has raised his friend Lazarus. Um, so he saw and tasted death, and he knew from, the, from before the creation of the world that death was not meant to be a part of this. That This is what sin had done. And his broken heart looks out at Jerusalem before he goes to the cross, and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you like a hen gathers its chicks under my wings. And then he says, but you were not willing. Our lack of willingness just breaks the heart of God. I read before in Ezekiel and Jeremiah last time those two books Isaiah 2 um, are really all about the broken heart what what God feels when we walk away from him and yet his constant f- furious love that won't relent it just keeps coming after us and keeps coming why because he wants his kingdom to come and he wants us while we draw breath to know he is our God. He is our Father. And we are loved children. So God, I think, is, is reminding the church what that mission is. And then he's reminding us of the co-mission. If we're a Jesus follower, then we're on board with Jesus' mission. And Jesus' mission is to bring the kingdom and to crush the plans of Satan. Even if it means crushing him in my life. And so there's there's a number of passages we could look at. Um, there's, of course, the Great Commission passage, you know, in Matthew uh, chapter 28, where um, Jesus is telling his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Sounds like a piece of cake. All we got to do is go out and be teachers. But he told Peter, he predicted how Peter was going to die. He told them that they were going to be persecuted. He told them that the world was going to hate them. And he prayed for them because he knew how much the world would hate this message. Because it goes counter to the me first message. And yet that's not how human flourishing happens. It's not how human healing comes by me being self-centered. Or quite frankly, me being generous so I can feel good about it. Uh, even that could be a sinful motive. Oh, my goodness. Um, rather than, I love being Jesus to somebody else. And, man, look at the blessing that God gives me simply by obeying him. There's a better passage that I want to bring out in terms of that idea of co-mission, and it's in 2 Corinthians. And this is where, uh, again, what's hard is he's reminding us the great opportunity that we have. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you two parts to this. Because I, I know for myself that I'm, I'm, I worry about not being comfortable. I don't like being uncomfortable. And that's what 2020 has done to me and to so many Christians that I know. He, it, he, God has made us uncomfortable. Mask or don't mask. Black or white. Republican or Democrat. Do I submit, um, or do I buckle down on the law? Do I bring the gospel, or do I bring the thou shalt not? Do I point out everybody else's faults, or do I humbly look at my own? And yet, how do I also call somebody else to repentance? How do I do that? It's uncomfortable. And God is saying, look, people are dying, man. I have a mission, and you... Christians pray this prayer all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then you're afraid? I can just hear God whispering, I gave you not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of courage. Let's go. I've given you my strength. Jesus would say in Matthew 28, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Don't worry about death. Don't worry about people that can kill the body. Don't worry about that. Worry about the people who can steal away your heart, steal away your soul. That's the danger. And so, I think again, as we look at it, in my own heart, I'm thinking, I'm afraid. All too often, it's easier for me, sometimes, to be on a stage, singing about Jesus, instead of talking one-on-one with a neighbor who I don't know if they know him or not. Or a coworker that I know isn't Christian, but just finding out what they believe and, and hoping that they would invite me to talk about where I believe life comes from. I'm afraid. And God says, you signed up for it. Better yet, I signed you up for it. What did he sign us up for? Well, check this out. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it starts at verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. When you realize, and I, and I have these, these paintings behind me. Uh, Emily, some of you have asked. Emily Abling is the one who painted these. My daughters are, are paintings over here. Um, but you have the picture of, of Jesus on the cross. You know, when I realize that I'm the one who should be the, there we go, the, the lamb uh, who is, was slain, I'm the one whose sins deserve that. Yet Jesus is the one who actually took it for me. When I realize that I've been given life, that He came to make me fully alive, and that I could have it to the full, and I could have eternal life, and I don't have to fear death. In fact, I don't have to be afraid because I'm standing in the loving arms of my Savior. <laughs> um, when I get that, this is where Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That we live for Jesus because that's who he is. He is the risen and reigning. He actually is working all things out according to his plan and purpose. Even if the world seems crazy and out of control, God is working his plan. What's his plan? Kingdom come. It goes on to say this, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That would be a sermon all by itself. Don't look at the unbeliever, the sinner, from a worldly point of view. Don't see them as just simply a lawbreaker. See them as an eternal soul the way that God sees them. He's inviting us again to see the bigger part of what it means to bring his kingdom come. These are souls that need the healing of Jesus. So don't view them from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way. Oh, he's just one of those things. Um, We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God. That goes back to Sabbath. I make you holy. Not you. You don't make you holy. I make you holy, God says. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry is like a life of serving, to serve people, to minister to, to minister with reconciliation, that God was reconciling to making right the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And here it is, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's the gospel. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Commission, he sends us as an ambassador as though God were standing in the flesh, making His appeal through us. So, if you don't know Jesus, God has invited me, even in a video setting like this, to say, "The King of the the universe knows your name. I don't know your circumstances, but God does." And God is saying, um, "All of the muck and the defensiveness and the anger and bitterness that you hold on to." the oh no you didn't, and all of the self-describing identity and all making your own truth, all of that stuff that you're trying to hold on to, God says, let me take it. I know who you are. You have nothing to prove to me. You have only to acknowledge that I am the one who made you. I am your God. I forgive and I make people alive. I'm the one who will soften the heart. God gave me that opportunity, the ministry of reconciliation, to share with you. And if you're a Christian, you know all of this already. Who do you know that needs to be reminded of that? Whose faith is weak that needs to be brought up? Because again, your kingdom come. Hold people who are flailing in their faith life, Lord. Keep them strong. And for the people who don't know, give us opportunities to be able to be your ambassador as if we are God in person, in flesh, saying, I love you so much. Uh, I know you've done some terrible things and you've thought some terrible things, but the lover of your soul came to forgive your sin debt and to pay for it so you don't have to and then to give you his life in exchange for your death. I want to know what that means. How could that change my life? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the big idea for today on this last one, and God said no to our old normal because he wants the church and he wants Christians to remember what his mission is all about. And his mission is bringing the kingdom. His mission is about crushing the the enemy's plans, even when the enemy's plans are in my heart and I'm part of the enemy plan because I agree with, I want to do it that way. And God says, that won't make you holy, that's an idol, Mike. And then he says, but I'm not just going to keep you safe here. I want to call you into the joy of seeing somebody's life really come alive. Somebody move from death to life. If you've ever seen a friend or a loved one or somebody that you care about uh, go from being an antagonist against the Christian faith to somebody who says, Jesus saved my life. And you see the way that people change um, it's the best drug on the planet is to be connected to God that way. It's the best high is to be able to see people come alive in Christ. There's one last thing I need to say about this. Um, he's called us to commission, to co-mission, And I think that he's saying, I don't want you to go back. I want you to wrestle with hard things right now because Christian people are dying. And you're the only one who has the voice. And I don't care if you're 78 years old and you're wondering why you're still here on this planet. You have not prayed your last prayer. And if God has taken away gifts and abilities that you once had, He will open up new windows of opportunity if we would ask, us, ask Him to see, help us see it and surround us by people who help us remember to hold on to these things and to pray and bring that mighty power of prayer back into our lives. God's going to make us uncomfortable. And Paul, who wrote this whole idea of ministry of reconciliation, he will write to us in the very first chapter of this book in 2 Corinthians. And he'll say this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Christian, you will be under great pressure. If you launch in and if you step in to seeing God's kingdom come, and if you really want that, then God promises that you will have seasons of great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. You're going to wonder if you're going to make it out. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Christian, maybe some of us are feeling that already. This year has really been tough. Amen. I get it. But he is doing something in us. And he's doing something in his church. Reminding us of mission and commission. And here, check this out. But this happened, all of this pressure and all of this despairing that they felt, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver him, us. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us. By your prayers. Why? Because then there will be a story of God's faithfulness. There will be something to celebrate. Then many will give thanks and praise on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Friends, as we wrap this up, God said no because he wants his church and his Christians and his people to get back into what he is after, his mission of saving lives and keeping those entrusted to His care in His care and in His keep. And then to remind us that we've been called to co-mission as ambassadors. And yes, it's going to be hard, and there's going to be hard moments, and you're going to want to be surrounded by church people who are going to be praying with you. And, and I'm not just saying religious thing, but I'm talking about the church, the family of believers, um, praying together for the same things that God is asking for, the deliverance of souls, so that they would have an eternity with Him. So, hope that these have been helpful. Uh, I've got a fun one next time. Um, uh, for our next mic check, I'm going to be interviewing Luke Thompson, uh, who uh, wrote the book, Your Life Has Meaning. You're going to not want to miss that one. But I hope that these mic checks have been helpful so far. And God said no. He wants to be our greatest, high, highest authority, our greatest authority. He wants us to remember what submission is. He's reteaching us as He stirs up these murky waters of 2020. He wants us to remember that that's what the Sabbath means. Get rid of your idols. God is the one who makes you holy. God is the one who gifts you. Take a break and focus on that. Trust him, even as you take time off, to be able to give you what you need, maybe not what you want. And then lastly, God said no to fixing 2020 for us because he wants his people and his church to remember his mission. And Christian, he wants us to remember the co-mission, to find joy in being a minister of reconciliation so that more people would know what it means to be loved by God. My name is Mike Westendorf. This is Mike Check. Here are some resources that you guys can check out. I hope that they will be helpful uh, to you on some level. Uh, Until next time, uh, thanks for being with me, and we will check in again. See ya.